for listening to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrillow, and we've got a great roundtable lined up for you today. This podcast, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into a variety of topics that keep you inspired. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. And that's what we're up to today. We have gathered together some incredible change makers to talk about coaches as facilitators of the new world, the opportunities we have in our role as coaches to support positive transformation in our world. But before I introduce today's guests, I have a simple request. I'd be so grateful if you would share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, because I'd love as many people to know about this as possible. And would you please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or whatever app it is that you're listening to us on? It is so helpful. It enables the algorithms to find us. It helps people find our community and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. Now, today, we actually have three guests with us in Roundtable today. First of all, we have Marilyn O'Hearn, ICF Master Certified Coach and a recognized thought leader in bias, cultural and emotional intelligence. She is globally experienced and known for her big picture approach, producing sustainable results. Leaders, teams, coaches and organizations move from the uncertainty of our rapidly changing, culturally complex world to confidence, with renewed vision via Marilyn's breakthrough coaching and programs. Her vision is to unlock all potential so we can all prosper and live in peace. So welcome, Marilyn. Thanks, Jane. Fabulous to be with you all. And what an amazing topic for us to discuss today. <laughs> Thank you, Marilyn. I am thrilled that you are joining us today, truly. We also have Patty Talbot. She is the co-founder of Blue Roads Education Group. As a public educator in pre-K through graduate education for more than 35 years, Patty's been a part of the growth journey for people of all ages and stages of life. By focusing on the four big ideas inherent in her company mantra, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world, she now helps clients honor their roots and transform the way they show up and work with diverse others to transcend their roles as good citizens to become global change makers, creating a more equitable and just world for everyone. So welcome, Patty. Thank you, Jane. I'm thrilled to be here. Can't wait to dig into it. <laughs> Me too. And I'm excited to bring your perspective into the conversation today. So thank you. And last but by no means least, we have Trudy Arthurs. Now, Trudy has been working as a coach, facilitator, and a healing energies explorer for 30 years. Now, following a diagnosis of terminal cancer in the year 2000, she found the deep dive explorations and future action focus of coaching to be the best recovery pathway for her. Through her independent business, Dancing Leopards Limited, she works with clients to help strengthen 
strengthen their soul confidence and self-awareness so they can be fully present and thriving in their world. So welcome, Trudy. Thank you, Jane. I wish I could express completely how excited I am to be here. I am just beyond words. So I'm really looking forward to connecting with everybody here today. Uh, me too. And I'm thrilled that you joined us, uh, Trudy, because I think you've got a unique perspective that will be really interesting to dive into in this conversation. <laughs> okay, guys, before we start, I really want our listeners to know that we're recording this in August 2020, as different parts of the world are releasing the restrictions that we have had in place in response to COVID-19. And there's something of a question mark around the future that we're moving into. So mm -hmm. let me open the conversation today to all of you with, I guess it's a personal question linked to our topic. What have you found to be the most challenging about the pandemic and the restrictions we find ourselves dealing with right now? I'm, I'm happy to start with that. So I'm an extrovert and I was already working virtually as it as it happened at the time full time so that wasn't the adjustment for me the adjustment was at the end of my business day at home I was ready to get out and go to art galleries and restaurants and be with people and that all you know closed down and my circle has shrunk I have a grandson who's at high risk, a very young grandson. And so I'm very particular about who I'm around and, and um, how they're exposed. And my circle has shrunk, everything's closed. And um, I found myself probably spending a little too much time on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And because that was more of my social outlet than in the evening. And I'm paying attention to that because I don't want to be online all day. And then I think I'm also noticing um, the importance of grace, giving myself grace, giving others grace. At the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like people were really coming together, helping each other, supporting the healthcare workers. and. Um, and all of the stages of grief that we're experiencing with this loss and the, the changes for so many people that, that this produced, but also hearing about people who were at home receiving unemployment and they were like cleaning out their whole house and trying out all these recipes. And I didn't have the, the time to do that because I'm still working full time. So just remembering we all have different experiences and uh, not comparing or, or measuring or feeling like I have to do it all or, or live up to what other people are doing and, and helping my clients do that too, leaders and teams. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You know, and some of what you said there, Marilyn, really resonated for me because I have to make more of an effort now <laughs> to, to be in contact and connection with people. And like you, I found myself spending more time on social media and the media channels and particularly Zoom. I think we have a new word now. I'm feeling Zoomed out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's so interesting because I saw this lovely cartoon on Facebook and it was somebody hugging their computer 
<laughs> so they were hugging their computer and then somebody in the background saying what are you doing they said but all my friends live in here <laughs> and I just loved it I thought that's exactly how I feel right yeah. now you know but you're also pointing to a few really important things that I think we're going through right now which is it's so easy to feel isolated now it's so easy to feel disconnected in a way that it wasn't before especially for self-employed people um and i don't know about you guys but i've had this little bit of um i suppose i'll call it envy a little bit of jealousy about the people that have had time <laughs> to just be it's like i've got one colleague and uh, and they're a leader and and they are doing some work from home but also they've got they're only working part-time and so they're playing scrabble and stuff and he, well that must be nice <laughs> So, uh, yeah, of course, for, for me, Zoom and, and the virtual space is nothing new. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of us, it has. But what I've been inspired by, I think, more than anything, is how quickly we've changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And things that were impossible a few months ago have now happened. I've got some corporate clients who, you know, for them, they've been wanting to take things virtual in a in a bigger way for a long time but they've all been saying oh well it takes time it's going to be about a year out now they've done it and here we are so that inspires me when we take a stand for change because we can make the changes we need mm -hmm. in our world we really can that is exciting okay guys so let's have a look at our our title for today i mean it's such a compelling title for me coaches as facilitators of the new world now there's some underlying assumptions in there but i'd love to get a sense of you know what does that mean to you when you hear that title i can start with that one um when i started coaching first i would coach anything with a life pulse i was dangerous <laughs> i was dangerous to be around and there wasn't much listening going on but there was a lot of curiosity so for me at that time 20 years ago sorry i'm going to take a sip of water for me at that time coaching was different to where it is now right and what i find coaching now is about offering clients the space the holding the safe yeah. holding the sanctuary of being able to express mm -hmm. and it used to be about finding solutions what do you want as an outcome mm -hmm. and now it's about not offering comfort or offering solace or any of that but enable i'm loath to use the word enable but it's the one that's coming to me to to abling abling the client to, uh, to attach to their own comfort and their own solace, to let it come through for them, to let it come through from their heart and their soul, rather than being li living in their head and for, for facing forward on targets and da-da-da and measurements and KPIs. It's now about the person and the being of the person. So for me, coaching, that's a long way around to say coaching is about helping people to get in touch with their soul and expressing that. And I know it's kind of woo, but that's what, that's what it is for me. I love that. I do. And what I heard you speak to there was 
you know, a word that Michelle Obama's made very popular now, this word becoming, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is, I think, what we're all about as coaches. How do we help people in that process of becoming? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Thank you, Trudy. If I might jump in with a perspective as an educator, um, my, I come probably from a little different experience than the others here. I'm not an executive coach. I um, consider myself a, a change maker coach, I think. <laughs> I, and I come at the work very much as a person who's uh, striving to be of service, helping people find their biggest purpose. And it happens that a lot of the people I'm working with are women who are retired or retiring and are um, not like me, not very good golfers or, or and are wanting to find a, a way to be in the world. And so I'm um, I'm learning about coaching outside of my typical arena, which has been coaching uh, educators to be their best educational selves and and it's related but it's a little bit different for me these days so i'm um eagerly learning from the from the experts in the coaching field like you all <laughs> thank you Patty. Mm -hmm. you know and i think it's really interesting in your role as educators because for me that's where the process of becoming a change maker mm -hmm. can actually start with our youngest children who will be there, you know, at some point they're going to be in our workforce. They're going to be leaders in our world, hopefully, you know, and this is where we can really start to plant some seeds. I feel. <laughs> now coaching in schools, coaching young children. I know people that are, that are doing that right now. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the other words, couple of words that pop up as we consider the title and coaching is partnership, how essential partnership is, you know, that move away from, you know, the, the leader as hero or the, the coach by themselves and, and tapping into that unitive wisdom and um, energy and support. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really feel honored to to do with people is to be a partner a partner with them and the other aspect i think that ties into coaching and facilitating is that sense of being a guide you know that we're there as a, a support and in education too patty that um we're there as a support and holding that space as trudy's so beautifully described um, and also this, this sense of we're in it together, we're partners, and um, the coach is in charge of the process. The coach is in charge of, of partnering with the client to go through that process to become their full potential and then help their team, their organization, their family, community reach their full potential so that it's rippling out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So I'd love to hear from each of you. I mean, what are the changes that you take a stand for? Mm. Because in our title, we've got the new world, right? Which is an assumption that as we come out of this uh, pandemic space, and even now, I mean, we can see major changes in the way that life is kind of happening 
within us and around us. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, you know, kind of what is it that you each stand for? What is it that you want to see in that new world? I'm going to dive straight in here. And I'm talking about UK politics here. I'm not talking about any other politics in the world because they don't impact us at all over here in in the UK. Um, I stand for transparency. Yeah. I stand for transparency and I stand for... What's the word I'm looking for? I stand for integrity and communication. I stand for... Just say it like it is. If you're asked a question, I'm, so, I'm speaking here about individuals, about other people, and I, I do this myself. If you're asked a question in the media or anywhere, give the answer. Don't, don't fiddle about with the answer. Don't give justifications. Transparency. Just keep it simple and keep it transparent. That is a real bugbear with me. That's not just the UK. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to divert the conversation either. <laughs> oh, you know, I did a, a review of the UN Sustainable Goals, and I support all of them. And I know that we can, you know, coaches work with me on this. That uh, I'm someone who doesn't like to miss out on anything, I, and I hope I'm living out all of them. And I can be most effective when I'm focused on a few rather than everything. Mm -hmm. So for me, the key is this unlock all potential, all Mm -hmm. that, um, that we move into a world of greater equity for, for women, for, for people of different ethnicities and races. And I'm excited. You talked about how things are moving more quickly during this transition time, Jane, that the the protests around the world are already having an impact. Um, laws and practices are already starting to change. And it's like it, you know, tying into the authenticity and transparency. We all have phone cameras now so Mm -hmm. things aren't hiding in the dark anymore they're not hiding in the background they're out in front of us and um like that movie network so many years ago it's like people are screaming out the window i'm not going to take it anymore yeah it's uh it's it's past time let's continue to make the changes i love that I would just like to jump on and say what drew me to Sacred Changemakers when I found you was the emphasis on the sustainable development goals, because um, that's very much a part of what brought our Blue Roads Education Group to life was becoming aware of how few people in our schools, in our communities had ever even heard of those global goals. And so we're very much focused on making sure people know about them so that we can work on them. Mm -hmm. Um, But kind of in line with what Trudy was saying, in terms of what we stand for, our little framework focuses on being, doing, connecting and reflecting. And I think of um, the connecting part is so much about connecting us across diverse populations and working together in the service of change, 
so we bring about those goals. So, um, and the reflection piece is just so critical for all of us to be able to step back and look at you know, what are we doing, what's working, how do those goals connect? And I think uh, racial justice that we're seeing come to the fore right now is really underlying every single one of them. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's just, there's so much depth to the work we have to do, um, but putting it in frameworks really helps me feel effective, I think, that, mm -hmm. that I can, I can uh, see myself helping others move forward when I can put some words to it and some structure around it, because otherwise it's just so huge. Mm -hmm. um, where do we start? So, yeah. And Patsy, you're giving voice there to something that really was part of my motivation with Sacred Changemakers, and it was connected with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, mm -hmm. was I realized that you know, in, for me anyway, in my coaching circles, um, you know, we talk a lot about change, but we weren't really looking at this incredible framework for change that we have that's been defined by the United Nations and some of the best leaders that we have globally around the world. And so, you know, COVID struck at a time of many challenges around the world, right? It's, you know, some of the, some people had awareness of the, what those challenges were, some people didn't, right? But, and the U United Nations Sustainable Development Goals were there to help us with these change processes that the world needs. Mm -hmm. And it kind of brought up some questions for me, like, you know, what is our responsibility as coaches? not just to our clients and the changes they're coming to us for and paying us for, but to what the world needs right now. Mm -hmm. And so I have a sense that change is changing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd love to hear your sense of how that has impacted your coaching and, and what your desire is for the industry of coaching to move maybe into alignment with this framework in some way. I think that um, I've learned from from Peter Hawkins and, and Eve Turner and and others to I was trained in a systems theory to look at the whole picture and to but to really be intentional about asking, you know, what's what's the impact that you want to have as a leader, that your team wants to have, that your organization wants to have, and then what's the impact for the stakeholders and the whole world, including the earth. You know, so there's a, a group that I've been a part of on coaches for climate change. I think it's just all tied together. You know, this sense of unlocking potential for all means that we have to care for the earth too. Um, otherwise, no one's going to be able to thrive right mm -hmm. yeah and so far it's just been concentrated people who are thriving a very small percentage of the population around the world and um, i want to see that expand you know, mm -hmm. the sense of expansiveness um, as this world is breaking open you know not falling <laughs> apart it's breaking open <laughs> That's the hope that I'm clinging to. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's a lovely thought, actually, that, that, that concept of the world breaking open. 
it's um it's quite a challenge that that picture is quite a challenge to create and it, it makes me want to kind of get in there and see what's waiting to come out mm -hmm. and where where's the where are the dangers mm -hmm. um i'm kind of risk I, I like a bit of risk but i'm also kind of risk averse i've realized that over the last six months that's one of the big things that's come to me <coughs> excuse me over the last six months john my husband was very much more concerned about <coughs> shielding and all the rest of that <coughs> but um i was a bit gung-ho and it's really in the last two months that i have become very wary of going to restaurants and going to the cinema and all that kind of stuff um so the idea of the word breaking open i have an immediate sensation in my body of oh what does that mean mm. what does that mean mm -hmm. um, in my solar plexus mm -hmm. um interesting one thank you marlon that's an interesting thought it makes me think of possibility when you think it's mm. breaking open mm -hmm. um and hope mm -hmm. and mm. And I'm finding in the people that I talk with um, that that are self-identified, usually not self-identified as change makers, but either pointed to me as change makers or I know I recognize them as change makers, um, that they are all um, optimistic, um, and sometimes that optimism uh, comes in spite of their internal outrage mm -hmm. that kind of uh they, they they're mad as hell about something and <laughs> um but nevertheless they they wake up every morning knowing there's something that they can do mm -hmm. to um make a difference and mm -hmm. those are the people that deeply inspire me and um you know make me get up every day to yeah. do the work i do so, yeah and i do love that metaphor breaking open with the world and and I, I love how you tied it to hope and possibility as well and, and and all of you what that means so it makes me want to ask you know what is possible right now and when we think about particularly our roles as coaches and facilitators like what is possible there for us to do what is our work to do in the world here what's being called out from us I think all things are possible. <laughs> I really do. I mean, and I frame it again with those global goals. They're, they are ambitious. Uh, we, you know, supposed to have been working on them for five years and we have 10 years left if we're going to meet them on the timeline. Um, and I think the more that we celebrate, support, teach the the skill sets and the attributes of change making um and um awaken people to the possibility of change making then um it, it will as you said marilyn i think ripple out you know it, it it's catching it's contagious in a good way um and i think we can make it happen we just have to make make more people aware of what they're already doing in the service of those goals that even if they haven't heard of them, many people are working in the direction and get those people working together and connecting with others 
you know, in the physical labor, but also in the beingness of, of it and the connecting with other people that are doing the work. So I love your use. I'm paying attention to how much you use the word service. And I think that's really important, you know, to be in service of and also training around a new skill set. So I read an article in the in the New York Times and it was are CEOs really ready? Do they have the skill set to be looking at not just their stakeholders in terms of, you know, who's buying their stocks or their product, but being the world, being the earth, and to be working towards this positive social transformation, social, socioeconomic transformation. Um, and, you know, how can we be a part of that in terms of us as change makers, as educators and, and coaches, is that, that leaders are, their role is expanding and that's kind of what's expected of them now. I think general, generationally too, that um, some of the younger generations, like they will not spend, um, you know, one of my daughters is like this, they won't buy things unless they know that company is, um, has sustainable practices in terms of how they manufacture things, how they pay their wages, how, you know, how they treat their employees. And um, it hopefully is a wake up call, you know, that it, all the, all the organizations that came out and said, yes, we agree with Black Lives Matters. And everyone's now looking, okay, what are you doing about that? What's the change you're enacting? And I think we as coaches and educators can help them um, look at, you know, what's, you know, even working remotely, that's a different skill set. So what's, what's the skill set? What kind of support do they need to add those skill sets and become this new type of, of leader that's called for in the world? at the being level it's, it's thrilling really it's really a privileged place when you first invited me it's like wow this is huge and to even be thinking about myself in this in this role is humbling mm -hmm. yeah I agree. yeah and you're pointing to something really important i think in this space particularly for me which is the idea that you know what is expected of leaders now is shifting yeah. and i got a huge confirmation of this yesterday when my harvard business review landed on my doormat and i was literally amazed and inspired to see every single advert inside of it not to mention the articles around leadership and business and strategy going forward was all about corporate and social responsibility it was all about, it was pointing leaders towards a more equitable society. It was looking at the issues of bringing this depth of work into leadership. And to the point that after, I mean, I've only quickly read it. I mean, I've, I've kind of speed read it um, and I'm going to dive back in deeper, but it's inevitable now. The changes feel inevitable because we're headed that way 
whether le individual leaders are on board or not, whether individual organizations are on board or not, whether coaches are on board or not, this is where we're going. And I think we all have a choice here. Even people that are not in the business world, you know, you, you might be just, you might be listening to this, you might just be a mom that's got, you know, some tiny children or some babies. I believe we all have a role to play as chain breakers in this mm -hmm. and i'm so like inspired that now some of the mainstream media are picking up the gaps it's almost like we've got a torch and we're shining it on all of our inequalities now mm -hmm. so for me like the choices well what story do i want to live in do i want to live in that story of possibility and hope or do I want to live in a different story where we're kind of, because they're all running right now where we're a bit doomed. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do, but I, right. So yeah, I want to be part of that. I want to be coaching to that. I want to be facilitating that. Mm -hmm. And I feel now it's interesting because I feel not only inspired, I also feel the weight yeah. of the responsibility. And I mm -hmm. wonder if you guys feel that too. You know, because it's not all happy, clappy, idealist. Ooh, look what we could do. No, it's no, like, no, no, no. okay, what what are we doing, <laughs> and how? <laughs> so, what's bubbling? You helped me, Jane. You um, to the importance of stepping into literally physically stepping into values right every day and uh, i do that multiple times a day as a reminder and uh, and and part of my values then are this sense of embracing embracing others feeling embraced embracing the new possibilities and also guidance and that guidance is comes through me it's not all on my shoulders and remembering that I'm, you know, can tap into for me, um, spirit and the, the wisdom and knowledge and community of others. And so that's a, a helpful thing for me to, when I start feeling the weight. Um, yeah. And I think this sense of partnership too with our, mm -hmm. with our clients, that's probably one of the things that they love is, feeling like I'm not all in this by myself. Mm -hmm. to, I've got um, this time set aside to reflect and to see, you know, where I'm developing and where I need to further develop and with a supportive, compassionate person. And I think also that compassion is a key element that we need in leadership right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah politically mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that's really true and it links into the transparency truly you were talking about earlier for me i think gosh i i i now can't imagine businesses that don't bring the humanity mm -hmm. and the transparency back into business that i can't see them surviving the next decade at all because it's almost like all of us now we're not willing to be treated as machines any longer you know we're humans and mm -hmm. uh and everything we 
everything that that means, everything that that brings. But I, I believe there's also a challenge for the coaches and the coaching profession in bridging the gap between the changes our clients come to us for and what the world needs right now. And Marilyn, you talked before about the impact mm -hmm. that you talk to your clients about. And one of those is stakeholders. And you quite, it sounds like quite clearly, you place the world as a stakeholder. Yes. And I just wondered if you had any other advice for coaches that are listening about how can we bridge that gap? Not mm -hmm. just from what they, they want as individuals, because we're still in a culture that is very individualized here in the West. Mm -hmm. So how do we bridge that gap? I think partially by asking those questions, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's your goal. And what's the impact going to be on your, your team, your family, your community, um, your organization, the stakeholders, including, including the earth, including the world. And, and I'm so privileged to be able to work with United Nations leaders, U.S. Institute for Peace, Farm Africa, organizations that are really, you know, they, they hold this close. It's part of their vision and values. Um, hospitals, leaders yes. I'm working with right now, other coaches as yeah. a mentor and supervisor. So it's, um, I feel so privileged and um, that a lot of the people that I'm working with already have this awareness. And so it's not going to seem like a surprise for me to be asking about it. Yeah. Right. right. You know, and that's really, really interesting because I'd love to have a sense, Marilyn, these people, they're already aware of it. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask you, is there a hunger, a passion for this in, the, in your client base? I wonder. Um, I remember when I, when I was being the, the annoying coach that I used to be, well, maybe I'm still annoying, but when I, was the being, <laughs> when I was being the coach that would coach a cat many years ago, um, I remember saying to a group that I was working with, and it, it, just, it just bubbled out of me one night in a, in a group coaching session. I said, you know, when I coach people, I'm not just coaching you as an individual. I'm not, I'm actually, if you're, we're actually having an impact. When you and I are here together, we are having an impact on you, your family, your house, your street, and your community. And I remember, I can actually, I'm still, I still feel, I'm feeling it again, that, oh my God, that rush. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think in answer to your question, Jane, there is... We're in a bubble. We're four very privileged, let's face it, women here, white women here. Yes. Professional women. And there is a need. We know, we, we feel, we can't, it's not scientifically proven, it's anecdotal. We need to realize that there's a, there's a spectrum of want and need out there. Mm -hmm. There is a hunger at some parts of the spectrum and there's a disregard for it at the other. There's a need, there's more of a need for it actually at the place where there's a disregard for it. Um, where there is a want for it, there is a hunger for our work, for our support, for our capacity to help people to break open their world. Right. 
and to sense the possibility. But how to do it is the thing. And the phrase that's coming to my head is big changes in small steps. Mm. And it will be risky to us as individuals and to us as professionals. It will be risky because our professional reputations are going to be on the line in some cases. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And I think it's about something you mentioned, Marilyn, somewhere when you were speaking. It's about that partnership, that collaboration, that community. And for me personally, it's very easy to, to sit here in my study. Fancy word for my, my grotty office. It's, it's very easy for me to sit here in my study and forget that there are people out there that I can collaborate with. So I've actually made a conscious effort over the last three to four months of joining more coaching groups online, of course, and building up that network of of awareness of what other coaches are doing but also friendships slowly but surely um and in answer to your question jane is there a hunger yes i think there is but i think we need to be careful to not go out and apostatize on it because some people are simply not ready for for where they are it's not to criticize them they are simply not ready to hear it and we, big changes small steps yeah that's, yeah. May, may I just build on to that uh, <laughs> with an with an example? I think from from what's happening in some work that I'm doing right now. You mentioned that we're privileged white women here, and mm -hmm. I'm working with a group of uh, we named ourselves the WWW, the Well Intentioned White Women, <laughs> <laughs> and we're working on how to show up as authentically <laughs> anti-racist in this time, and that's our that's our mission. Mm -hmm. I started um, in this journey myself to try to see who who would gather uh, to have these conversations. I anticipated uh, because I'm certainly no expert on the subject matter. You know, I'm a well-intentioned white woman, but I'm you know <laughs> I am not an expert. Uh, I learn from many experts and teachers, and uh, but neither am I a denier or a hater. Um, mm -hmm. And but I anticipated that I would be seeking people to learn with me and maybe a little bit from me that would be a little bit further behind me on this developmental continuum as an to show up as an anti-racist and what i found instead is the people that gathered with me are where i am or beyond me mm. a little bit and so we're struggling with that together in our group on how to how to bring in the people that are that are ready motivated to some degree or at least want to be in the conversation mm -hmm. um but they're not the ones who came knocking on my door mm -hmm. and, and so it's just to your point about that <laughs> that side of things you can't pull people along yeah. until they're ready to join mm -hmm. And then there we are together having this great conversation and we are trying to figure out what's ours to do yeah. in the world. But part of what I think I'm hungering for myself is how do I get in in community with those people that are almost there. They just want to come on, but they're not quite showing up and knocking on the door yet. So it's, it's not much of a statement. It's more of a, a puzzle that I'm, I'm <laughs> chewing on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, back to your question, in any organization, no matter what the vision or values are, there will be people in 
different stages of alignment or embracing mm -hmm. of those vision and values. And organizations are organizations and the way the wheels turn can sometimes get in the way of living out visions and, and values. And mm -hmm. I think just listening to you all has, has reminded me of um, William Bennett's work on the, the different stages of cultural development. Mm -hmm. And the first is, you know, my way is the right way. Right. And so that's where our clients are, which I've had clients that that's, that's where they are. Yeah. And that's where we start. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm just thinking of one who in, in an initial coaching session, I said, what are your goals? And they said, it's to improve my negotiation skills and relationships with um, external partners. And I said, okay. And, you know, that's, Sounds good and it's very broad. So can you give me an example? Yes, I want to prove to them they are wrong. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and you know, what's your reaction when you hear that? Oh my gosh, you know, we'll see where this coaching goes. And um, and I said, you know, we have this coaching question saying of would you rather be right or be in a relationship? And they laughed, they got it, that, that, you know, to say that you want to improve relationships and you're negotiating while making other people wrong mm. doesn't fit. Mm. And um, so just the laughter yeah. <laughs> helped shift it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and looking at it of, uh, from a cultural level, so, you know, this was someone not living in their native culture and, you know, are you expecting everyone in the, your host culture to change to the way you are? Or, you know, and how direct are you? How indirect are they? And, mm -hmm. and who needs to adjust where? Uh, was it was a totally different perspective and uh, really helped them then reach their goal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love how you're all pointing in your own way to something that I feel is really important in this. Because when we look at the systemic perspective of the future, we're really talking about something that is like changing the culture of the entire planet. <laughs> really? I mean, that's the reality we're on here. And yet it starts with each of us, but that's what we're talking about. But you mentioned there, Marilyn, something that I think is, is right at the beginning of that journey. And it's not something we're taught in school. And I certainly wasn't taught it in my family of origin either, which is just very simply, how do we deal with difference? <laughs> how do we respond when we're in a conversation or an environment or a situation where people are not only not like us or not valuing what we value, but are so opposite. Mm -hmm. It's almost like we don't know what to do <laughs> when we find ourselves there. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, you know, and I don't know, it could just be me, but I believe that as, you know, privileged white women, as privileged coaches, mm -hmm. we we have a responsibility here mm -hmm. and I, I, I hold it in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're going to hold the rights of the privilege, then we also have to hold the responsibility that goes with it. Yeah. 
to help facilitate the changes that are needed here. Mm -hmm. And, and so it brings me to that quote, which is not, and it's kind of where you started us very much in this conversation, which is, you know, we have roles here and we have responsibilities. And if we just see the responsibility in what we do in our work, well, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But what about the way we're living our lives? Are we being the change? That's the quote that it feels like to me. Because I found as I've stepped into sacred change makers, uh, my whole life is changing. I'm now vegan, <laughs> right? And there's all these things now because otherwise I don't feel in integrity. I feel like I need to be the person that I, to invite other people in. Or it's, it's out of alignment for me in some way. So being more conscious about consumption, being mm-hmm. more conscious about the words I use, and the people that I invite into conversations is really important because for me now, I, I'm holding this as a, as a value. I'm taking a stand for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't work with people now who don't get it. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. don't. So, and the bolder I get, the more hunger I find in my clients. And that's been the biggest surprise because I, yes, I've repelled a number of people now because I'm not just working with people for profit if there's mm-hmm. no purpose involved. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when we do the purpose work, we do the soul work, the deep work, mm-hmm. they become more profitable when they realize they have more stakeholders. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of fear yeah. around stepping into this. And I wonder how you notice that, like, is there, do you notice that fear with your clients? Because like you said, Trudy, there's risk here. Mm. There is. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying there really resonates, Jane, and um, particularly around your, my, my and yours, and I'm guessing Marilyn and Patty's um, lack of ex- childhood experience in dealing with difference. I mean, I come from an Irish country Catholic background in the 1950s and 60s. There were no different people around us. Right. You just you just didn't get them. You didn't get difference. And at the moment, for the last three years, I've been working. I've been privileged beyond my 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 belief to be working with school principals in the south of Ireland in primary schools. Firstly, on an, on an individual basis in, in leadership coaching. That was the title, leadership coaching. And now with some of their teams, when the, when the teams choose to, to engage. It has been such an exercise in observation of the difference between childhood today. Mm-hmm. And even we're talking about children who are four through to seven or eight. And they're so articulate. And there's a mixed bunch of kids having time and place and, and play together. We didn't, I, I certainly didn't have that. Yeah. And my, my, my realization is that the, the children, the, the next generation, or maybe, maybe two generations down from me, have more of a concept of difference. Mm-hmm. But that generation that are coming through now in the primary schools, the fours to the nine-year-olds, they will have such an appreciation of difference. And the things that I see on their schoolroom walls, 
you know, it's, and again, it's, I've, I've even seen in two schools things about the, the SDGs, the United, United Nations Special Development Goals. I was completely floored when I saw that. This is four-year-olds. Yeah. It's coming from the kids to the teachers and it's going back to the parents. It's that principle again of coaching, or of, of teaching, not just impacting the child, but actually it, it's, it's a full circle. It's a full circle. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but something you said there resonated with me. Lovely. Well, it's great to hear that the difference is now starting to be seeded at, at yeah. such a young age, I think, yeah. definitely. And I think, I think that takes away some of the fear, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, if we, and, and those of us that didn't get the exposure early on can do it now, right? Yeah. We can intentionally spend time around people who are different from us with, what I call an Ache perspective. So awareness, curiosity, humility, and empathy. And, you know, an awareness of how I'm coming across. How am I seen as uh, a woman of my age and uh, race and educational level and nationality? And then what is my awareness of, of people who are different than me and how we're interacting? and um, any bias or assumptions that I'm bringing to that. And then the curiosity, and the C is for curiosity, which we're great at as coaches, right? And, and educators too, Patty. Um, but I would also add a, that C for compassion too. So the, the curiosity with compassion, because otherwise it can be kind of harsh. And the, the humility of uh, knowing we don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm collectively we can be greater than than one and empathy the empathy and compassion that uh, being able to understand what it's like from someone else's perspective mm. so i think um, you're right dirty the kids are are having the advantage of of uh, exploring differences early mm. rather than being afraid because the the research shows that even the the parents or teachers nonverbal behavior. So if you, you know, the two-year-old is with the parent and, and the parent sees someone different than they are and pulls the child close. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a jerk reaction. Um, the child's picking up on that. And, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Patty, what's it like in in the US? <laughs> Do you notice the same things or is it different? I do. Yes. It, and, and just what's, what's coming up for me is the Trudy's theme about leadership and, and this theme of curiosity. And I'm thinking it, you know, the exposure for the children is, mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a college town, so we have a lot of international diversity here, but we have a community that's very much, uh, working in a dialogue uh, on race and and um, providing opportunities for conversation around these issues because they don't just happen naturally for the reasons Marilyn's talking about. If if mm -hmm. the parents haven't been raised with diversity and curiosity, um, you know we need it to be modeled from the leaders to the families to the children and back again. <laughs> and it really is a, a sort of this process that has to be um, going always at all times and happening in our communities and in our businesses, in our healthcare and in our schools simultaneously so that it 
So it becomes the way we are together. Um, so I'm seeing positive change, I guess I would say. Um, but I do get worried sometimes about some of the messages coming to us from um, leaders outside of our community. Um, but yeah. Yeah. We need to be reined in a bit. Yeah. Right. And we are in that space of transition. Yes. So as we kind of close and complete, I like to think of it as like a conversation, <laughs> yeah. uh, probably because I'm a coach, but um, I like to think of we're kind of, and I think it was David White who I heard say on a podcast somewhere, he said, you know, the world, the one conversation is ending and a new conversation is beginning. Mm -hmm. So we're still going to have those people in the old conversation that are choosing to stay there. Mm -hmm. And then we've got people that are open to the new conversation that is emerging in society and through some of our mainstream media now, which is great to see. Mm -hmm. To me, this is why I call this movement inevitable mm -hmm. because I do believe that we're headed there anyway. And, and the pace and the speed at which we move there is going to be dependent on how quickly these people over here move. But then I was reading something last night. I think it was a quote in one of the articles in the Harvard Business Review where somebody said, well, you know, people think that large scale change has to happen through a change process. But more often than not, if you look back in history, it's because the people who held the old paradigm died. <laughs> and I thought, oh, OK, <laughs> well, you know, so it, it is almost like, you know, because the boomers now are getting a lot older and it's like, OK, so this change is inevitable because just like you're talking about, Trudy, you know, the, the kids, it's like, I mean, even my children that are all now adults, I talk to them and there's no like they're so open to diversity, not just race, but disability, sexuality, mm -hmm. all the places where we've had expectations that have been narrowed perhaps in our childhoods is now like, yeah, well, what's that got to do with me? Like, no, that's fine. You just, you just be you, you be you. <laughs> it's fine. So I love what we're hearing here because it feels very positive to me. So I do want to ask you because, you know, us humans, we're not great at uncertainty. How do you feel about the future? I'm just going to ask you, do more gloom or positive? How do you feel? Hmm. Positive. I, I guess I, cho I choose positivity. I surround myself with positivity. <laughs> and I have practices in my life that when I have uh, moments of doubt and doom and gloom, I can center myself and uh, get back to, you know, who I am at my core and make sure I'm associating with the right people that keep me on the, on the positive path. So, right. I am. Thank that's you. where I am. Yeah. Thank you, Patty. Marilyn. I'm a naturally an optimist and a person of faith. And I have to really watch just as Patty's talking about who she surrounds herself mm -hmm. with <laughs> the, how much uh, media I take in. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> especially around the, the, this time of the elections. Otherwise I can get really um, some, feel some discouragement about, you know, mm -hmm. campaigns that are run on fear or to, you know, they're, they're not looking at how we can solve things that um, trying to scare people. So yeah, I have to watch my input on that. What's coming in. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm, yeah, optimistic and, and, faithful faith you know tapping into my faith in terms of a hopeful future thank you judy 
That's lovely, Marilyn. Um, well, I'm known as Pollyanna Positive in our house. <laughs> <laughs> and there have been rare occasions when John has said, no, Pollyanna, please. No, no, don't bring Pollyanna to this conversation. We need to be realistic. But, you know, I believe in realistic optimism. Yeah. And um, I am a tree hugger. I, Me too. <laughs> yeah, I have all these these things that I do and they bring a smile to my face and they bring a smile to others' faces. It's interesting, my first react, my first response, internal response when you asked that question, Jane, was, mm, how do I feel? I am concerned about the lack of, no, I'm concerned about what happens next. Mm. Not, not in the coaching zone, but in, in the world health zone. Mm because it's something that impacts us all. Yeah. At the, the prospect of not being able to go out to a restaurant in peace and quiet, mm. it, it, it just doesn't feel, but then there's, you're okay Trudy, you're alive, you're well, you've got your cats, well you've got your husband and then you've got your cats. <laughs> um, and you've got some fantastic coaching colleagues, you've got, you've got work, you've got family, which I'm reconnected with over the last six months. I would say I am 99% positive, Jane, but with the tiny little smidgen of just be careful. Yeah. Just be careful. I love that. I do. And, and thank you all for being transparent. Because after I answer, well, after I asked the question, I thought, oh, I shouldn't do that. It's a bit of a leading question. They'll all think they should say positive. But uh, I didn't mean it in that way at all. And it's great that you've all answered it with a nuance of, mm. of course, there's some reality in there as well. Because for How me, do you feel, I, sorry, can I ask a question, Jane? How do you yeah. feel about the future? <laughs> I was going to say. So it's really sorry. interesting because one of the things I take a stand for in Sacred Changemakers is the shift from I to we right mm -hmm. now if i'm honest and i'm going to be transparent as an i 100 110 percent positive i feel it's inevitable we're headed there it's just how long it's going to take us mm -hmm. to get enough people on board to get momentum right so that's how i feel now when i go into the we at the moment i feel the pain of the world and i know that's a strange thing to say but and it it sounds a little bit grandiose but i really do feel it as an empath in the world i feel the struggle uh, from the health pandemic perspective as well as from the leadership and let and the united nations sustainable development goals perspective corporate social responsibility and that the systems that we've taken decades sometimes hundreds of years to build and for me it's a systemic issue right that we have we've got to change the systems or else you know it's we can't just be individuals that are positive in systems that are designed for another world, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, the systems are complex. The answers, it's not something one individual can do. So that mm -hmm. brings me back to the shift from I to we. Mm -hmm. Do I believe in the we? Yeah, I do, or else I wouldn't be doing this work. Is it 100%? No, <laughs> it's not. I'm probably up to, I'd say, about probably in the high 80s now, which is good, um, because I think we're being helped along with technology. And like I said, when that Harvard Business Review landed yesterday, I wanted to dance. I was doing like a happy dance. Like, yeah, the messages in mainstream media now are supporting the shifts that the world needs, not just what we think we need to be bigger, better, more profitable. There's a wider conversation now that's happening. And I do notice a hunger for it. 
And uh, I notice it in many different ways. Things like I turned vegan uh, almost a year ago. There was very little options in my local supermarket for some of the protein-based foods. And just through COVID, they've now, I've got so many options now. It's ridiculous. And that's just in my local community. So the shifts are happening. And I think that from a grassroots level, there's a hunger for this. Mm-hmm. And I, I was uh, reading a, res- a research report about what's happening for leaders through COVID and was very excited to see that at the most senior levels of management, corporate social responsibility now is top of the agenda. Mm-hmm. When you get to middle management, lower levels of management, not so much because they're the people that are looking at the short term and trying to mm-hmm. help the organization survive in, in the economy that we now find ourselves in. But at the top, they're all for it. And the younger generations are, of course, all for it. Mm-hmm. So we've got a growing momentum now that I think we can build on. And I believe that's our responsibility as coaches to expand the conversation and expand people's capacity mm-hmm. to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a long answer to <laughs> your question, but that's definitely I want to go back to your David White and and I listened to a program recently on indigenous wisdom and it was instead of you know people are either here or there it's standing in the middle of the stream one hand out to the past pulling in the positives from the past we don't have to let go of everything and the other hand reaching out for the future and that's that's where we are so it doesn't have to be we have to let go of everything to get to the positive future. Yeah. Honoring the, the good things from the past and still holding on to those while reaching out. I, I just, that's a, in my head now. I love mm, that's lovely. And that speaks mm-hmm. to the metaphor that I think is the opportunity we have as coaches is we're the bridges. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's what we are. We are the bridges. You know, you can say that in so many different contexts. And I love that metaphor, Marilyn, of the past and the future with a bridge, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also expanding people's capacity for mm-hmm. these conversations with a bridge. So that's kind of how I hold the space for my clients, too, is how can they also bridge for their organization, for their team? for their individual, but also in personal lives. How do we teach our children? How do we look at like our families? How do I have these conversations with my family, my kids? And then moving it out into community and it just kind of goes out from there. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Before we end ladies, I would love you each to just share a few words of wisdom for our uh, listeners. I mean, what's bubbling for you now? What what advice do you have for people? I mean, whether they're coaches or not, leaders are increasingly becoming coaches today. And I even think that all of us in our life, you know, we all have conversations. So how do we be the bridge into the new world for people? I'd love you to share a few words of wisdom from your perspective. What matters most that you want people to hear? I think, I think I already shared that some, so just to summarize that Ache approach, you know, the awareness, curiosity with compassion, humility, empathy, um, while holding true to your vision and values. I think what there's so much noise and change going on, 
that sometimes we can lose sight of those and those are really <clears throat> like guiding lights um, and sources of strength for us and and i love that we're moving the west there is more influence on mindfulness and the the we tapping into the unitive wisdom rather than trying to do it all on our own mm -hmm. thank you for me it comes down to the only person that i can influence is me really really centrally influence and what i have found the best way that i have found to support myself and to support myself in challenge and many life areas is just to connect with my breath um to sit on a chair with my sitting bones comfortable and just feet can be wherever they want to be but just to breathe mm -hmm. and just feel the power of the breath and let your breath guide you have all the sensations and become aware of the power of you within your body and that's that for me is the starting point and with that will come self-awareness and the self-care and the self-compassion and interestingly i think the curiosity will come as well for for me i think i um keep coming back to something that that came to me one day um what during a meditation of my own where i was um I was thinking about this being, doing, connecting, and reflecting, and my homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. And um, it, it became really real for me that if I just uh, start with my homegrown groundedness, my beingness, and I open my mind to the source of all creativity and knowledge, and I feel the pulse of everyone everywhere, and and then that allows me to feel connected to the world and find where my place in it is. And I come back to those four things, being and doing and connecting and reflecting over and over to kind of guide me along my way every day so that I, like Trudy, can be deliberately optimistic on purpose, you know, <laughs> and, and show up and do the work before me today so thank you okay thank you to each of you oh my gosh i have really enjoyed our conversation today and i just know that our listeners will have learned a lot and have gained some insights from hearing your wisdom so thank you to each of you thanks jane thank you jane and good to be with you patty and trudy thank you. great to meet you all wonderful conversation it's great well, what did you think? Remember that the pur purpose of a podcast like this is not just to make you think. It's mm -hmm. actually to get you to take some action. Yes, mm -hmm. this means you need to do something differently to get a result. So before you turn us off and get back to your day, just take a moment and write down two or three key things, action items, things that you can implement today that will make a meaningful difference in your world. Knowledge is not power, it is only potential power. What truly makes an impact is action. So ask yourself, what do you feel inspired to do after today's conversation? 
And let me remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally. And together, we are making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the work you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.